What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Alexandra Montmayer on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Thank you so much for having me, Shelly. Oh, man, where to start? There's so much here. We have gone on a long journey. This, I guess this all started back in 2013 when I married my husband. Um, We knew we wanted a year dedicated just to us and so when we got married we really just embraced being the two of us and learning all about each other and growing together because we were only 21 we were young and when that year came up we we removed the goalie we pulled him and we really thought it was going to be an easy road for us because josh was a whoopsie baby i was a whoopsie baby and according to my mom who's been married to my pilot's father for 47 years all he had to do was a low pass in an airplane and she would get pregnant <laughs> that it was so simple for them and we really thought that that's how it's gonna be for us so when we started trying and nothing was happening I started looking at my husband like is there something wrong what's going on and he had no clue of course not and it took about I think a year for me to finally go in to a doctor and get an opinion and this is when all meds began the least favorite being clomid which makes you an insane raging monster (laughs) my poor husband had to deal with a hormonal woman who broke down crying at a rental cabin because of the color of the carpet for an hour poor kid (laughs) (laughs) i felt so awful we had 18 people in this cabin on a lake and we arrive and I cry over shag orange carpets that I had to take my shoes off and walk in and then get this the best part is we're trying this is our I'm in my ovulation window and I thought we had a private room yeah our private room was a plywood door (laughs) no (laughs) yeah (laughs) adjacent to the rest of my family I'm like (gasps) mortifying so that's the beginning of our infertility journey all the way back in 2014 well it doesn't end there of course we run the whole gambit trying to do tests find out i don't ovulate regularly that's its whole thing well it took two years of us focusing on me and my issues to even consider my husband and we go in and we're like finally this is the last resort let's just do it just to like knock it off ticket put that check mark next to the box. But we go in and we find out he has low testosterone. This 23-year-old man has the fertility levels of a 65-year-old, which makes zero sense to us because he's in his prime. He's totally like this fit, healthy guy that hasn't ever had anything wrong health-wise. And his, his swimmers will not move. <laughs> they are lazy as lazy can be. Even if I was ovulating perfectly and everything and had the big welcome home sign hung for them, they wouldn't get off their butts. <laughs> and so we spent the next, the next year, I guess, of 2016, focusing on him. 
and getting his his body regulated and lo and behold the savior in that situation was clomid and while we were trying to figure out his levels we decided to tap into the uncharted territories of adoption we started doing our home study and getting our paperwork filed because in my mind we're not going to throw our eggs just in the fertility basket we're going to throw them everywhere we can find them and so we chose adoption as well and as we're filling out all that paperwork, we decided that this is going to be our time of distraction. We're going to be happy. We're going to focus on us again and stop doing this timed monthly intercourse and all that stuff that was so draining on our marriage. So in this time, we start making a nursery, which some will say is absolutely insane, and I will agree with you. But instead of making it for a certain baby, it became our place of hope. We just started decorating the walls, putting up wainscoting, just making it our happy space so that it wasn't attached to a single child. It was just, we are going to have children one day. Let's start making them a place in our lives. I actually really love that. That's awesome. So that was our big project together. And then my mini project was I started making these rocking animals, which is super weird, but... I'd buy these rocking horses and totally, totally break them apart. <laughs> and I started transforming them into sheep and llamas and these really fluffy, beautiful creatures that you could use as decoration. But if you had a child in your home, they would love them as well. And so those are my distractions during this time. Well, 2017 rolls around. We're three, we're three years deep into infertility. Josh's levels are normalizing. I'm, we're kind of getting me figured out, but I'm still on the back burner. Like we took me off all of the fertility meds because I didn't want to be crazy while we're dealing with my husband's crazy. Because anybody who's dealt with low testosterone knows that they lose motivation, they lose energy, they lose sex drive. They, they're kind of a shell of a person. And especially with men, I think from a young age, we're all taught men only think of one thing. Yeah, that wasn't even crossing my husband's mind at this point. <laughs> he was, and when you're trying to get pregnant and your husband has zero interest, you're like, at 23 years old, you're like, this is not right. So we were really focusing in on him. But finding joy in other things and helping him get his energy levels up and more, just helping him become a person again. And so we really enjoy this time together. Well, flash forward to June. Not only are we finding out that my husband is going to go on a trip to India for three months, which he works for a finance company and he's going to go train the office. So I was excited. I was like, oh, we're going to go together. This is going to be an adventure. I am pumped. Well, I was at my friend's house and I was complaining about my infertile body to her, she's very, very pregnant at this point. And she says, just take a pregnancy test. I have a spare, want it? And I said, sure. Yeah, two pink lines come up. The first time, I've taken over 50 pregnancy tests at this point in this fertility journey. And I'm at my friend's house and two pink lines appear. And I just remember trying to catch my breath. And I ran up her stairs and I said, do you see this? And we both just like stare at this stick. A plastic stick should not have that big of an impact on your life, but it really does. 
And she says, you're pregnant. And we immediately call her OB because I don't have an OB at this point. All I have is a whole team of fertility people. And he gets me in for the end of the week. It's Monday at this point. I get in on Friday. I don't know how far along I am. My cycles have never been regular. I have no idea how this could have happened because three years of no goalie and him on meds for over a year at this point, you'd think if we were going to have an accident, it would have happened. Well, it did right then. And I was just overjoyed. I remember I wanted to keep a secret from my husband so bad because I wanted him to come home and be surprised because we thought that was something we would never have. We would never have that element of surprise with pregnancy. It would always be very clinical. So when I got this opportunity, I went and I got a little NASA onesie from Target. I'm from Texas, if you can't tell. <laughs> and I wrapped it in a bag and made a bag that says Adventure and Weights and put it on my kitchen table for when he came home. He opened it, and I was trying to be very nonchalant. So I was cooking dinner, and I buy him gifts every now and then because I just like to spoil my husband. And the look on his face as he put the dots together, it was pure joy. And he was excited and flabbergasted, but... It's a moment that's forever seared in our minds, and I'm so glad we had that. Because that was the last time we'd ever have an element of surprise in our marriage. Um, we got to go to our ultrasound together. And at our six weeks ultrasound, our OB said, everything looks perfect. There's your little gummy bear moving. Everything's great. He has a strong heartbeat. We don't know what the gender is at this point, but... He says, I'm not concerned. Go ahead, live your life. Congratulations, you're pregnant. So we do just that. And I get a month with my husband home before he leaves to go to India. This is a three-month trip he's on that I was supposed to go on with him. But because I'm pregnant, I stayed behind. So I'm home alone. And my 10-week ultrasound is coming up. And I was terrified to go by myself. And I just, I was still puking every morning. I had all of these symptoms that let, screamed healthy pregnancy. Nothing was wrong. But I needed emotional support to go to my 10-week ultrasound. So I flagged down a friend who had had several miscarriages her, herself. And she's the only person I know that had miscarriages. And she's actually one of my only friends that didn't have children. And that's why I asked her to come with me to my ultrasound in the middle of the day. And I asked her to take me out and go shopping and let's go to lunch and keep me distracted because my husband's not here to see this. And I need to not keep my mind on it. And I remember at lunch, I told her, <clears throat> I really think this is going to be okay, right? Because God's not going to take my baby away while my husband's gone. He wouldn't make go through that alone, right? And she's like, oh, no, that'd be awful. Absolutely not. And she's like, I'm sure everything's fine. You're still sick. Everything, all your signs are good. 
So we walk into the doctor's office and I, ha and I ask, hey, is it okay if I have my phone out? I need to take a video of this for my husband. And of course they hit the lights and they do the ultrasound and he just looks at me and he says, I'm sorry, this is a miscarriage. There's no heartbeat. Your baby passed at six weeks and it's starting to deteriorate and you need to have it removed or there's a risk that there'll be an infection or scarring and you may never carry again. And my first thought is, how do I tell my husband, who's thousands of miles away on the opposite side of the world, and he's asleep? <laughs> so thank goodness I had my friend there to pick me up, to hold me as I sobbed in this office, which is completely against my normal character. And all I could think is, how do I tell Josh? How do I tell him that this happiest moment of ours is gone, especially after the last time he saw me and the baby, all we heard were good things. They were strong, they were healthy, and now they're gone. My friend drove me home to where I was alone. We called my mom and dad and got them on an airplane to come get me. We called my in-laws and gave them the notice. And then I had to call my husband. It was 4 a.m. in India. And I remember he's, he's really hard to wake up and very groggy. And I call him and I go, honey, The baby's heart's not beating. We lost it. And he goes, well, can't they fix it? And I go, no, it's gone. Um, and I break it to him that we have to have a DNC. But the sad part is we can't have a DNC for another week because they're all booked up. And so this is when my husband and I we have to process things on our own, away from each other, different time zones, <laughs> in different parts of the world. I got to have an incredible support system in my family. My mom was there within a matter of hours to come get me and she took me home with her. And she called a doctor that day in Idaho and said, I need to get my daughter in. What availability do you have? And it was only a couple of days before my doctor in Utah. But for my mental capability, I needed this surgery done immediately because my body was telling me, you're still pregnant. You have all these symptoms. You are still pregnant. And I was, but my baby was gone. And carrying around your deceased child for a week and knowing that you've spent four weeks where you thought it was a we situation and turns out it was just me. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are sponsored by Fairhaven Health and I learned a little something from them that I want to share with you guys. One in five couples will experience infertility and in about 45% of those cases, male factor infertility is at play. Our friends at Fairhaven Health have formulated the perfect product to help both men and women get the supplements they need in order to conceive. FH Pro is a patented non-prescription antioxidant-based supplement 
made with ingredients well studied for their role in supporting fertility like vitamin E, COQ10, zinc, and more with over 25 ingredients total. Each fertility supplement is formulated with ingredients studied to exactly what men and women need to optimize their fertility health. It also helps avoid the many bottles of supplements on your bathroom counter. Learn more about FH Pro for men and women by visiting fairhavenhealth.com or using the link in today's show notes. Not to mention they're giving us all a 10% discount using the code LAM, L-A-M. And thank you for supporting the sponsors that support our show. Now let's get back to it. It wrecked me and destroyed my sanity. But... Turns out, as hard and devastating as that miscarriage was, three years or four years at this point of hoping for a child, it was such a blessing in disguise. Because lo and behold, after we had our DNC, after my symptoms of pregnancy went away, we discovered that I had an abdominal tumor. It was, it's something incredibly rare. It was called a desmoid tumor. And it started off super small. And I thought it was just um, a lipoma, it, where it's just a fatty mass, but it's not. It was um, this really fibrous thing and it grew like crazy. It started off the size of a pea. And it was just in the fatty tissue. It wasn't anywhere like consequential. And I could feel it on my abdomen. Well, by the time I picked myself up from the miscarriage and all the emotions and everything like that, it's fall, it's winter of 2017. And it's grown to the size of a ping pong ball. And then flash forward to January, it's the size of an orange. And I go into this doctor and he's like, this is the problem. We're going to remove this now. We don't know what this is. And we are a week away from my due date with this baby. And I'm having a tumor removed and not my child. And thankfully my husband thought ahead and booked a trip months in advance to Cancun with friends and I spent my recovery in Cancun which if you're gonna have a surgery please go to an all-inclusive resort get those pina coladas sit poolside and relax and enjoy the beach because your mind's gonna go a billion miles an hour and having those distractions is not a bad thing whatsoever but um the one hard part of that trip was it's my due date was March 5th and I thought I was going to be surrounded by friends in paradise, but it worked out in the schedule that everybody went on an excursion to go see the ruins or to go sailing. And I was alone and I sat down that day and bawled my eyes out in the hotel room for hours. And then something inside me says, just write a letter to your baby. You need to just talk to them. Because I had pushed it down like I didn't even know the gender. I didn't know anything about them except for the fact that I had 11 weeks pregnant, but only six with them. So 
I sat down and I wrote this letter to our child and honestly, the best thing I could have done. I got it all out. I got, I told them I loved them. I missed them. I wonder what they could have been, but I am grateful for them because without them, I wouldn't have known that I have a tumor disorder that is related to hormones and fertility medications and can be triggered by pregnancy. And I wouldn't have known what it's like to instantly love someone you've never met. Because I loved that baby. They were such a beacon of hope. And after I wrote that letter, it's not that you move on. Because life, you don't move on from your child. But you're able to kind of just tuck them into your heart and move on with life with them there. So I did that. And I had little lapses here and there, and I had anxiety, and I was terrified to start trying for children again. But my husband really wanted to keep moving forward, and we did. And I'm grateful he kept me there with him, because I wouldn't have been able to press forward alone. Well, in December of 2017, so I guess not too long after, we got reached out to by a young woman who wanted us to adopt her child and we got excited and we were hopeful and it was all working out. We had a lawyer in place and we were drawing up a contract and all this stuff and doing the finances. She ultimately decided to parent and raise her child, which I 100% supported her in. That was never our child, but it was a lot of loss back to back. And I regret engaging in that so soon after our miscarriage. And so I ended up needing some help in the mental department in the form of anxiety meds because I was just at my absolute wit's end. My mind raced a million miles an hour of all the what ifs. I'm like, we've already tried so hard for so long and we keep just getting knocked down. And so. I'm now on Flexa and it helps me <laughs> a lot and I am so grateful for it. And the same doctor who performed my DNC is the one who got me in immediately to be evaluated and got me on this amazing anti-anxiety meds. And he told me it is safe to get pregnant on. So if you decide to keep going down this path, it's safe. And I, it really relieved a lot of the stress. So in 2018, my husband and I made an appointment to do IVF. We went into a new doctor, new facility, and did our interview. And after, it's 2018, so we've been doing this for four years. After four years at the same clinic, to switch over, I thought it was a horrible idea. But we had plans in that same appointment to do our retrieval and he gave us printed out calendars of all of our meds and everything and it looked really promising that this was going to work and we told him his story of our miscarriage and my tumor and he said okay we'll work with that and he knew if we were going to try and get pregnant this is going to be our one shot because we weren't going to risk 
having another tumor with a pregnancy. We weren't going to risk possibly losing a baby again. So what we did is we shot me up with all of these hormones in the same location of where my tumor was to see if it would trigger one. And if it did trigger a tumor, we were going to use a surrogate. And if it didn't trigger a tumor, I was going to carry. Thankfully, by miracle, no tumor growth occurred. So I got to transfer two beautiful embryos that were genetically tested and genetically sound. And I got to carry them. And my husband was there and we saw all of the growth. And now I have two healthy nine month old little babies that are crawling and talking. Well, kind of my mama, <laughs> but it still just makes my heart sing that all of this pain and discomfort leads you down a path for a reason because I never would have transferred two embryos to get twins. I never would have considered IVF even because I really just, I thought it was too expensive. We wouldn't be able to do it, but our insurance paid for it amazingly. And we got these miracles healthily and quickly because our first child they led the path that allowed us to do this. And now our family's complete with two babies and we had five remaining embryos left. And after seeing what they could become and holding our beautiful children in our arms, we knew that these five remaining embryos needed to home, needed a home as well. So we adopted them out. And we are in the process of getting them shipped to a beautiful family that cannot conceive on their own. And we firmly believe that these remaining babies were never meant to be ours because I can't, I cannot carry them again without risk of getting a tumor or of delivering early. Our twins came at 30 weeks, which is incredibly small. They were only two and three pounds. So it's not safe for me to carry any more babies. So these babies need another home and they need another family to love them and raise them. We were able to make them, but we cannot raise them. So they are off on a new journey. And I can't help but think that that's how it was meant to be. These, we have the children we're supposed to. We have the one in heaven that gets to watch over us and send us our two beautiful children that we get to carry in our arms. And these remaining M babies, as we call them, were not meant to be ours. They're meant for this other family. And we are grateful that this all happens. And it's like trudging through mud to get through a miscarriage to mourn the loss of a child you wanted so much. But over time, we're able to see the beauty and 
the information that we were able to gather from them paved the way for these new lives. And I'm so grateful for that child of ours that wasn't here for very long, but they left such an impact. And now we talk about them still. We still tell our babies, what do you think your brother or sister is doing in heaven with grandma and grandpa? What do you think they're doing with your cousins and all the family members up there that we don't know? How do you think they're doing? And we love them dearly and we'll never forget them. And we're so grateful for the joy they brought in that small amount of time to our lives. So that's our story with miscarriage. It's a long one. <laughs> that was incredible. I, you're a great, like, sure storyteller. Oh. I don't know how to explain. <laughs> like, seriously, I take notes during every episode, and I have like ten pages. Oh gosh. <laughs> like, so sorry for your aunt. <laughs> no, it's all good. All good stuff. I took like so many quotes and just like the things that like you just have a way of sharing. A really sad story in a very positive light, and I love that. Well, thank um, you. <laughs> yes, no, it was so good. I always ask this at the end of every episode: if you had one piece of advice, which I honestly feel like you've already given so much, uh, <laughs> but one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? There's no such thing as oversharing. Honestly, I shared our entire journey publicly. Part of it was because I knew my husband was going to India and I needed a horde behind me, but, <laughs> but I shared the moment we were pregnant, the moment we got that pregnancy test and the moment we lost our baby, it was there and it was, and I documented everything. I started a blog way back when to start, uh, to chart the infertility stuff. Little did I know that I'd be sharing the miscarriage end of it and telling people I don't even know and sharing that story really opened my eyes to, whoa, we are not alone. This is so, mm -hmm. unfortunately, so common, but it gives you this, I, I, this tribe of women behind you that know what you're going through. That's why this whole podcast is amazing because of that. Because you feel so alone in the moment and you don't know who to talk to because you don't want to go talk to your fertile myrtle friend about this who has no idea. But when you find someone who does, that's everything. So share your story. Remember your child. Don't, don't let a day go by where you just brush it off because it's a big deal. Yeah. Your, mis your miscarriage is a huge deal. It's a part of your life. It becomes part of you it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to make people uncomfortable. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. If somebody wants to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way or where could they find you? So I'm all over the place. <laughs> so um, Instagram at Montemayor Mayhem and our blog is the same name, Montemayor Mayhem, because okay. our life is just pure chaos. First with infertility, miscarriage, and now a life with twins. <laughs> it oh, doesn't get it. any crazier than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll go ahead and I'll link both of those in the description of this episode. Um, thank you so much oh, for thank jump, you. jumping on this morning and sharing. I really appreciate it. It's, oh. You know, you have no idea like how 
life-changing these stories have been for so many people. And oh yeah, I'm so grateful for everybody who's willing to share. So thank you so much. Thank you. Your podcast. I love the work you're doing. It's so important. Aww. So thank you for letting me reach out to you. <laughs> I appreciate yes. that. <laughs> and I wish, I wish everyone out there luck. It's a hard road to travel. It is. It is. And I, I agree. I wish everybody luck and thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 